0: It's here in the city. It's here in the city. This is here in the city. This is here in the city. I'm Sarah Harris. I'm Sarah Harris. New message.
1: Truth should be truth, but then it depends on, in the telling, whose
2: truth is it.
0: We're here most Tuesdays, bringing you radio realities from the urban landscape. And mapping the city with voices of creative social change in and around Los Angeles. On Pacifica Radio, powered by the people. Thanks to the generous support of you, our listeners, the capable crew at KPFK, the innovators of web-based radio at SoundCloud, news you might have missed at newsdesk.org, and the community-funded reporting project, Spot Us. You can find
3: us on the web at Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the cityorg
0: it's January 1st 2013 you're still listening you're still here I'm still here happy new year everyone on this show we're going to ask what happened to the apocalypse
4: I gave away everything I owned and moved to uh, Maui in July of 2000 I had kind of a revelation that the way I was living my life was no longer going to be functional. Um, I was working for a good company at the time. I had a, a nice hefty 401k package and I cashed it in and everybody said to me, you are crazy. The stock market is booming right now. Dot com era is going to keep going. And, uh, that was July of 2000 in, uh, October of 2000, the dot-com bubble burst, and all those people that said that I was foolish for cashing in my 401k were now looking at me like I knew something that they didn't. At the time, I think I was one of those new-agey people. I don't think that I was consciously prepping for a doomsday, I was just searching for a new way to live. It is a doomsday that is foretold in the Mayan calendar
5: the Chinese oracle of the I Ching. Even an internet-based prophetic software program. 2012. A date that is prophesied as the end of the world. The Mayan calendar seems to say that the world will end in 2012. It's a startlingly precise prediction from a culture that took its calendar very seriously.
0: Did you come back from Maui? Are you still there?
4: No. I. Uh, that island gets really, really small. <laughs> you know, I grew up in L.A., and uh, I lived in Maui for about six months, and I got what they call island fever.
0: Um. What's your name?
4: <laughs> Robert Jefferson.
0: Alvaro, why did you want to talk to Robert about this particular subject of the idea that the world would end on December 21st, 2012.
6: I don't know if you remember this, Rob. Last year, you visited me, and we went up to the rooftop in my old building, and we were just hanging out, smoking, chatting and stuff, and, and Rob looked at me with a very serious look on his face, and he said, do you realize how many things are going to change this year? And it kind of freaked me out. And I said, well, you know, what do you mean? And, and Rob has been my my go-to person for conversations of uh, spirituality, doomsday prepping, the marketing of this.
4: I'm preparing. I'm preparing. I'm preparing my family for a massive earthquake. Terrorist attack. Dirty bomb blast. Global pandemic.
6: Yeah. Hold on tight.
5: the new season of Doomsday Preppers. I know something's going to go wrong. Am I nuts or are you?
4: Hey, this is Rob. Leave have a message.
1: At the tone, please record your message.
6: Hello, Rob. Hope all is well on uh, the eve of December 21st. I guess I want to ask you what you think... This means for uh, for you. What does this mean for you? Peace. Hello, this is Alvaro. Please
5: leave me a message, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you. Alvaro, evening, sir. This is Rock Day. What does it mean for me this evening, this eve?
1: I'm not looking forward to anything.
4: Now everybody will be one of those dates where everybody remembers where they were
5: and what they were doing. The ancient Maya have prophesied that the world will come to an end on 13 Baktun on their Long Count calendar. This date translates into December 21st, 2012. The Maya didn't arbitrarily pick this doomsday date. Rather. They probably and purposely calculated it using their advanced knowledge of astronomy.
0: I thought about like this, like you know, arbitrary date. Like you know, the date comes out, or it's not well researched, right? It's like this date that's thrown out of there, or thrown out um, when the Mayan calendar ends supposedly, and everybody's been going out there to the pyramid mm-hmm. of the sun in Chichen Itza, um, and and the sun and the moon. Um, in Tenochtitlan, I mean in Teotihuacan. But there's, I've talked to people out there too, you know, who uh, I've seen them referred to in a lot of this new agey discourse. And even on some of these, you know, Doomsday Prepper shows and Mayan Mayan Calendar 2012 on the History Channel. Like some of the people I talked to 10 years ago in Yucatan, they're like, you know, featured as like, you know, experts. They're not experts. And <laughs> I'm just like, wait a second. Like, you've been thinking about this stuff. Like, what do you make of that? And, and does it does it matter or not, I guess?
4: There's a Mayan researcher named Carl Kalman. And he stopped writing and stopped posting uh, about 2012 and the Mayan end date. In October of 2011 because he says basically he's like the Mayan calendar actually ends in the end of October of 2011 so a way to think about this is you know we use the Gregorian calendar it ends in December but the Chinese calendar Chinese New Year happens in January so if you're an American living in China and you're using a Chinese calendar, you still might be looking at the end date for your purposes as being December, even though the calendar doesn't nec- necessarily end until January for where you are. The actual end date of the Mayan calendar was October 28, 2011. And so this man, Carl Kalman, made his predictions of world-changing events to happen in October 28th of 2011. Okay. So you go back and you look at that date and there's like major economic upheavals what i found really interesting in in his article was that he says he's like anybody that researched the mayan calendar never made any predictions that the end of the world was going to happen in december 21st 2012 it was simply the end of the calendar So when we talk about these programs, these doomsday prepper programs and these Nat Geo shows that talk about all this stuff, it's like that's what has been picked up on and marketed to the people. Because, I mean, here in the West, I mean, that's kind of like what we're subjected to. That's the environment that we live in is this culture of fear and propagating fear because it's good for business. It keeps people's attention. It keeps people tuned in.
2: United States and Canada have been attacked. Casualties are extremely heavy, but no statistics are as yet available. Successful counterattacks have been made on European and Asian objectives. At a reorganization meeting of the United Nations, a resolution was introduced whereby these darkest days in the history of civilization will henceforth be designated as the year zero. Continued reports of looting are coming in. Such acts are regarded as treason against the United States, and those guilty face the death penalty. The President has called upon every American to do his duty in reestablishing law and order. In his own words, there are no civilians. We are all at war. Next war bulletin at
5: 11 o'clock. You're not kidding, Rick.
6: There are no civilians. I got so paranoid for a while thinking like, what's it gonna be, the climate crisis? The economic meltdown? The alien disclosures? The water's gonna run out? Should I start buying sacks of rice now? With their advanced astronomy,
5: it seems likely that the Maya consciously devised their long count calendar to end on December 21st, 2012. On this date, the Earth completes a rare cycle around its axis and the Sun moves to the center of the Milky Way. going to be anything like the last
0: That conversation with Robert Jefferson was the brainchild of Mr. Alvaro Parra, who sometimes still thinks about the apocalypse. The apocalypse, it's a great story when it's predicted, as it has been for the past year, but it's really a tragedy when it happens on any scale. And on so many scales, apocalypse actually does happen all around the world, every day to millions of people in very painful and immediate ways. On the scale of geologic time and temperature, the apocalypse is happening to all of us now, but that's a more difficult story to tell because we're the ones who are causing it. Of course, it's much easier for certain cultures to look at moments of immediate and uncontrollable tragedy And to find some sort of logical connection to crime and punishment of the other, and to revel in it, perhaps. That's the subject of an exhibition at the Getty Villa, the marble house on the cliffs overlooking the Pacific Ocean, where the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in the first century of this time is summoned up in an art show.
1: Right
0: after this little East German ballad about Pompeii. Jesse Lerner will review The Last Days of Pompeii.
3: Buried beneath mounds of molten lava in the year 79 AD, the Roman cities of the Bay of Naples, Pompeii and its neighbors, have been vivid symbols of a society's dramatic and apocalyptic end ever since their discovery three centuries ago. The Getty Villa's current exhibition, The Last Days of Pompeii, Decadence, Apocalypse, Resurrection, doesn't showcase archaeological artifacts. The emphasis here is not on the ancient past and its ruins, but rather the place that these objects hold in the Western imagination and the tales and fantasies that have been spun around them. The exhibition title is borrowed from an early 19th century novel written by Baron Edward Lyton.
2: The cloud, which had scattered so deep a murkiness over the day, had now settled into a solid and impenetrable mass. It resembled less even the thickest gloom of a night in the open air than the close and blind darkness of some narrow room. But in proportion as the blackness gathered, did the lightnings around Vesuvius increase in their vivid and scorching glare. In the pauses of the showers, you heard the rumbling of the earth beneath and the groaning waves of the tortured sea, or lower still and audible, but to the watch of intensest fear, the grinding and hissing murmur of the escaping gases through the chasms of the distant mountain. Sometimes the cloud appeared to break from its solid mass and by the lightning to assume quaint and vast mimicries of human or of monster shapes striding across the gloom hurtling one upon the other and vanishing swiftly into the turbulent abyss of shade, so that to the eyes and fancies of the affrighted wanderers, the unsubstantial vapors were as
3: the bodily forms of gigantic foes, the agents of terror and of death. Though this novel is now largely forgotten, it was hugely popular for decades, and inspired paintings, sculptures, an operatic adaptation, numerous films, and spectacular outdoor theatrical treatments involving firework displays reproducing the eruption of Vesuvius. In some places immense fragments
2: of rock hurled upon the house roofs bore down along the streets masses of confused ruin which yet more and more with every hour obstructed the way. And as the day advanced The motion of the earth was more sensibly felt. The footing seemed to slide and creep, nor could chariot
3: or litter be kept steady, even on the most level ground. In the Christian imagination, the fact that the inhabitants of the ancient city were simply wiped out in an unpredictable, random, and horrific act of nature was unconscionable. This could not have happened to them, the reasoning goes, if they had not been doing something wrong. From this faulty logic, we arrive at one of the exhibition's major themes, decadence. For the Victorians, especially, the burial of the city had to be understood as divine retribution for immorality and excess. Imagining these scenes of Roman decadence inspired a certain amount of academic art, which manages to be both prudish and salacious at the same time. Needless to say, very little of it is great, or even good, art, but it's campy fun, Nonetheless, from Roberto Rossellini to The Simpsons, from Scooby-Doo to Pink Floyd, any number of filmmakers, cartoonists, and musicians have joined in these archaeological foibles.
0: Here in the City Arts Editor, Jesse Lerner, on the last days of Pompeii, the show at the Getty Villa. It's on view until January 7th. This is what it is, this is what it's gonna be. You are listening to here in the city on KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, and 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. An archive and a podcast of our shows is at Here in the City, that's hear in the city, dot org. And at kpfk.org, you can like us on Facebook. If you like. And visit us at our website, hereinthiscity.org, And follow us on Twitter. The Salton Sea, the Salton Sea. It used to be a sacred fishing lake 2,000 years ago. It was part of the ocean until it got landlocked by lowering sea levels. The U.S. government let cowboy settlers loose on what remained of the Kawila Indian villages around the sea after the Mexican-American War. About a hundred years ago, the Colorado River flooded the Salton Sea, and it became a tourist destination eventually for Hollywood. It's full of agricultural runoff, tilapia, salt, and hundreds of thousands of birds, seabirds, and snowbirds, or what you would call a perpetual retirement community. Here's where the apocalypse figures in. As the water levels of California's lakes drop with reduced precipitation linked to climate change, the Salton Sea is retreating. The shores are covered in bleached out, crunchy white skeletons. It doesn't look pretty, and it doesn't smell pretty. But the birds seem to love it, and the people who've chosen to live here on the U.S.-Mexico right border also love it. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Do you have ice cream? Yeah. una nieve. So. Where are we at right now?
1: Salton Sea Beach Marina. And what's the name of the building that we're in? Salton Sea Beach Marina Store.
0: Well, what's your name?
1: Emmy Lou. I own the store, not the Salt Sea Beach, but I own the store. So, how long have you had the store? I've had it 10 years now. I've moved down here in 1981, though, so I've been down here a long time. And how has
0: this place changed since you moved here?
1: Well, we used to have more. more business, more visitors than any place else in the country. And now uh, IID, Imperial Irrigation District, sold our water rights to San Diego. So now the sea's going down dramatically every year. The salt stays in, of course, so water becomes saltier. We used to have orange mouth bass, which we called corvina, that went up to 30 some odd pounds out here. We had croaker, sargo, and tilapia. And the only ones that have been able to survive the increase in the salt because of evaporation are the tilapia. So all of our other fishing is gone. I have a picture of. Uh, one of the last Corvina caught down here. You know, everybody says, well, I wouldn't eat anything out of the sea. I've been eating it since 1981, and I'm perfectly healthy, so I'm not worried about it. I have a a customer in here. She's 87, and I have a couple other customers that are in their 80s, and they've all lived here by the sea, so. You know, it's not God's waiting room, like some people want to call it, you know. It's really not. We have a lot of retired people. It's uh, very inexpensive to live, to buy a home. Everything is is really inexpensive here. And uh, the only thing is that you have to have transportation because the nearest town's 30-some-odd miles away. So you have to have transportation. Yeah.
0: What happened to the area up the road down I guess if you take Brawley around there's that whole like it looks like there were mobile homes and now it's all it looks like a a, we said like a tsunami came through or something
1: well we did have a flood uh, back in the 80s and some of the homes were taken out but actually most of it is the people you know that lived here in the 80s a lot of them have passed away And they left their land to their families who weren't interested in the sea. So they just let it go and then it went back for taxes and, you know, our government is not going to clean it up, you know, so we just have a lot of dilapidated buildings.
0: I mean, it's amazing to see the, the birds that come here and then the dead fish right next to that. How long has it looked like that?
1: Well, okay, the fish die off is a natural phenomenon. When the uh, algae blooms, it takes oxygen out and so fish die off. Um, as far as the birds, we have over 200 species of birds, including the brown pelican, who is an endangered species. They use this as part of their flyway. Yeah, when it goes goes from cold into the warm, and when it goes warm into cold, both times the algae blooms, and we get a die-off. Um, actually, unfortunately, this last year, but it has brought a lot of attention to the Salton Sea. This last year we had the largest die-off in the history of the Salton Sea.
0: um, So the water, when it was taken by San Diego away from the sea, how did, I mean I've read that the state of California passed legislation that would preserve the sea and and restore it to its normal salinity that supports this fish life that you were just talking about. But if San Diego took the water, then how is it going to happen?
1: Well, we've talked to them about that. We have a Salton Sea Beach Authority that, you know, goes to Congress and stuff like that and talks about the Salton Sea. And they said that, yes, there was $1.5 billion uh, set aside to restore the Salton Sea because of its uh, so wildlife habitat. and then when they went back and they said well when are you going to start construction on whatever it is that you've decided to do to fix the sea, they said well we can't afford it right now. So they apparently allocated the funds for something else, you know. Yesterday I think it was, we had congressmen and senators and everything down here, you know, walking around the sea and taking pictures and stuff like that, so what we're hoping even though it was a horrible thing for us, Labor Day weekend, we had the largest die-off ever noted at the sea.
0: Oh, really? When I was I hadn't that?
1: closed. Labor Day weekend was the first weekend of my season. Yeah. And the health department closed me because for a hundred foot out from my building, hundred foot out was nothing but dead fish. I would be so angry if I were you. Oh, I am very angry that, you know, it was voted in by the people of the state of California to save the sea, and they decide to use the money elsewhere. Well, then why do we even vote? Well, if the sea dries up, the impact, environmental impact for the state of California, uh, Arizona, Nevada they said will be unbelievable because of the salt left down and our high winds that we get down here take it right into the air and it'll go everywhere you know so you know I, I do know sooner or later the environmentalists will wake up and decide this needs to be saved even if it's never a big reaction Recreational place, like it was at one time, save the sea. they will stop it from drying up. Our birds, give our bird sanctuary down here, because they come down twice a year. They're down here. Now flying through, there goes a brown pelican.
0: Okay. here's my my last question for you is, so uh, December 21st, 2012. Have you thought
1: about it here in Salton City? (laughs) No, not any more than I thought about what was going to happen when it became the year 2000. No, yeah, I don't get it. And yeah. and even if if it did happen, what the heck are you going to do about it? I mean, no reason to worry about it. I'm still planning to have my Santa ride in on the 22nd. I got a feeling I'll be here. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you.
0: That's it for the show on this very first day of 2013. May it bring renewed energy to us
6: all. Peace.